0: Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a sometimes fortnightly, sometimes monthly podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by...
1: It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. How are you, Peter? I'm great. Much better than last week. Good. Your intro, have we ever done just one podcast in a month? No. Okay. You're just keeping that in for posterity at the moment.
0: I'm just keeping the door open. (laughs) For, for <laughs> right option. so, so if so, we ever do one in a month and then
1: if people complain you can say well you, say you haven't read the small print Anthony. yeah
0: yeah i'm just i'm just you know and particularly normally
1: we do a podcast
0: every week and we're a fortnightly podcast so people have been getting two for the price of one for a long time oh my so, that
1: means we can take like six months off soon right
0: yeah. <laughs> we've built up we have built up a real buffer here
1: and obviously people there. have only been listening fortnightly so they won't notice the difference
0: yeah, you have to skip the middle ones anyway. So, yeah. Every other one. Yeah, if we'd done one every two weeks, we'd be on like, episode 50 now. Jeez. More or less, yeah.
1: And what it's about? like about, what are we on? 100 and, 130.
0: 130, yeah,
1: This Yikes. Is 132, yeah. How about
0: That's that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all about quantity, not quality, as I always say. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> okay, so what are we talking about this week, Frank?
0: Well, The Circle Undone has finished. All the packs are out. We're hoping that we're going to get to speak with the lead designer of Arkham Horror, Matt Newman, but this isn't that episode, I'm afraid. But we felt that there was enough that we wanted to talk about about the player cards of The Circle Undone cycle that we thought we'd touch in and and look at some of the themes coming out of that, some of the cards, and share some of our thoughts about
1: those cards. Yeah, that sounds exciting. Let's do it.
0: Yeah, I think it's partly inspired by this idea that we talk behind the scenes, the two of us as cards are coming out and deck ideas. And I obviously talk, you know, first looking and sometimes you join me for first looks. But then sometimes I feel like the conversation moves on and cards slightly slip out of, um, you know, off the top of the conversational agenda. And it's nice just to take this moment at the end of a cycle to reflect on which cards we think are really strong, which cards we're really enjoying... Yes. Or, you know, or and other things as well. So, yeah, so that's sort of prompting it.
1: Yep. So like take a breath at the end of the cycle and reassess what we've looked at. Because, I mean, at the beginning of the cycle, we often say, uh, well, this is interesting, but let's see what's coming later in the cycle <laughs> to see how this fits in.
0: Yeah. And now we have that chance to actually touch on that.
1: Where should we start, Frank?
0: Well, wow. that's a
1: really good question, actually, because I think there are lots of different
0: branches we could go down... I suppose we should touch on some of those themes that we saw. Top of my list is tarot. Okay, and I'd love to know what you think of tarot now that we've seen all the tarot.
1: I still like them. I think. I guess one of my this this touches on my overarching feel of the cycle. My, my my criticism would be, it feels like some themes or some threads of mechanics were started but not followed through. Mm. Uh and I think multi-class cards it's the same here and for bonded cards it's the same. Yes. In that it's it's a lovely starting idea but I'll, I'll again I used it in the last episode but I'll talk about magic briefly. So mm. for people who don't play magic obviously the design budget for magic is astronomical but the way they do the cycles there is they'll do a, a block which will have three expansions in it. There'll be a big base expansion, and then two expansion. I think that's how they still do it. I, this was years ago. I used to play Magic, and what yeah. would what would happen is the the new mechanic for the cycle would be introduced in the core, and then the first expansion would up the complexity, but still stick to the fundamentals. So build on what was in the original, and then the last one would typically do the wacky stuff with it. So push mm-hmm. that to the edges and see what see what that mechanic could do and it feels like in this cycle we haven't had that we've just had the basics of three different mechanics in so we've had the base tarot cards we've had the basics of the 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 multi-class and we've had the basics of the bonded cards and even the bonded cards we've only got two factions for them Mm -hmm.
0: and we do know that there's more bonded cards to come yes because of announcements about the dream eaters and we know that these two bonded cards, particularly given that they came in the last pack, so this is the Occult Lexicon and the Hallowed Mirror. They're they're almost like a tease, and certainly Matt has he has precedent in this arena, doesn't he? He's brought in cards that people have felt didn't have an immediate home or an immediate application, with a view to them being useful down the line. So I'm thinking about Trench Knife, for instance, or even I'll See You in Hell and Ghastly Revelation. People say, well, why would I ever want to take a trauma? And then we went into Forgotten Age where trauma became completely par for the course.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah.
0: So yeah, at least with Bonded we know that something else is going to happen. It's so striking with Tarot and Multiclass, we've both said the same things before. You mentioned about multiclass, maybe to be a level five combined multiclass at the end of the at the end of the line. Yeah. And for Tarot, even when we announced Anna Caslow. We still were wondering if there'd be a third tarot element beyond the basic one XP tarot's and Anna Caslo, which allows you to run lots of them. And in both cases
1: there weren't. Yeah, yeah, it, it feels like I don't know whether there's just not enough player card slots in the cycle to, to be able to fill these out. But but there's only there's only one tarot per class and there's a neutral tarot as well, which you love. <laughs> There's, this is the great risk of talking about tarot. Not, that you'll
0: try and get a dig in about the <laughs> Ace of Rods. Um, yeah.
1: there's, not, there's one tarot slot. And honestly, I don't think there's too many investigators which want to take more than one tarot. Mm. I think if there was tarot cards which had another interesting effect, you might have more competition for that slot. So you've got a more interesting deck choice. Mm. As it is, the, the choice is usually between tarot and either an ally or an accessory. Yeah, which I, d- I don't know whether that feels as as interesting. I can I can see where the use of them in deck building they allow you to be more flexible, mm-hmm. yeah. but they're not maybe not offering me that interesting decision. And Anna, I think because there's not that range of tarot available, I think she falls a little bit flat.
0: Mm. She she's such a great tarot utility card if only you really want it to be finding all the tarot from your deck and getting them into play. And unfortunately, often I'm just not getting to the point where I'm, say, investing 12 XP on the Tarot and on Anna to make it worthwhile. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's tricky. The the other thing, I really like that idea that if there was a bit more utility with the Tarot, you could maybe do more things with them. So say, for instance, all the Tarot had a single icon that matched the uh, stat that they boosted. Immediately then, obviously they'd go up in value a little bit, but if you wanted to do something like, say... Uh, well prepared where you're getting some kind of value out of having icons on cards in play that makes a difference straight away or if they had some other ability that you could use other cards to feed off because at the moment the only other card that can really do anything with the tarot is cornered where you can at least chuck away duplicate tarots for plus two and then any survivors who are doing throwing away effects for other things is it only wendy who wendy or yorick i guess yorick can well, Yorick can't even chuck one unless he's forced to discard it, can he? To get it in his bin.
1: No, um, but I mean, like... Yorick probably yeah. uses cornered, doesn't
0: he? Yeah. So yeah, Yorick uses cornered, chucks in. The... Still, Pete, a complicated way to make a card. You could have a card that already had icons and use it for cornered if you needed to. Yeah, it's 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 a shame, I think. And certainly I would like to ask Matt if that's the end of tarot or if there's more to to be seen. And maybe it's also one of the things we have to contend with because the game is a bit bigger and and older now that Matt needs to keep things fresh and and maybe experiments. You know, it's not just about filling out the card pool with more cards that do the same. It's about trying out different things. Both multiclass and tarot are examples of him experimenting,
1: which is healthy, I think. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know whether those bonded cards could have been shifted into the next cycle and we could have used those slots in the last pack for some just some other spicy tarot stuff.
0: Yeah, good question. Because
1: that would sort of solve both problems.
0: Yeah, yeah. The thing is, the bonded cards, they cry out to be used by so many investigators who aren't of their faction. So using a cult lexicon in Marie, say, or using the Hallowed Mirror in Mateo, you know, there's there's lots of other investigators who profit from them. Yeah, which I think is quite exciting. They feel like they could find all sorts of fun homes. Yeah, in the yeah. way that Tarot feels very chained to the faction.
1: Yeah, I mean to an extent. Although you, you do see, say, Sephina, who will love the Four of Cups.
0: Mm, yeah, but it's long been said that she's a mystic. So yeah, true. I yeah, guess yeah, yeah. Well, we've talked a little bit about bonded. Can I jump into one of the cards I do want to highlight, which is the Hallowed Mirror?
1: Yes, absolutely. Please
0: do. So this is the Guardian bonded card and it gives you Soothing Melody. You get three copies of Soothing Melody that heal uh, two damage or two horror or a combination of them. So one and one or whatever. And you get to draw a card when you play it. I've just played Ash through Circle Undone with the Hallowed Mirror all the way through. And I think played it in six out of the eight scenarios and loved it in all the ones I played it. Yeah. It just felt like it had lots of applications. It felt like a really nice way of freeing up slots in that deck because I then didn't run Cherish Keepsake and I didn't run Leather Coat. And I also wasn't running Ellie allies in that deck because I was playing on your own. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have any of the usual soak that Survivor has. And instead, all of that was covered by Hallowed Mirror. And to be honest with you, it was fine. Yeah, Like it was really good. There was, I think, one scenario where I got defeated by horror. That's quite, you know, obviously it's quite easy to do with Ash Pete. but otherwise, yeah, really good and really nice. That obviously it can heal Duke as well. So I could be putting soak on Duke and then healing
1: it off. I again. do like so, the yeah. idea of Pete singing to his dog. Yeah, exactly. a <laughs> soothing melody to his yeah.
0: dog. Powering
1: him oh, it's it's yeah. really good. I used it in the labyrinths in Matteo and yeah, I, it's just the, the soothing melody in itself has all the things you want from a healing card. <laughs> it's flexible. It can heal other investigators or allies, assets. It can. It draws you a card, so it's not even a lot. Not really a loss of tempo. Mm. Yeah. Zero cost. Just everything about it is great. I think it's undoubtedly the best healing card we've seen. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lovely little bit of friction when you play it because it uses that allies that uh, accessory slot rather.
0: Yeah, the the other nice bit of friction is you still have to see the single hallowed mirror to turn into this amazing healing card. And I think that's a really nice way of limiting it, that it's like the doorway to entry is very narrow, but once you're through, there's a really broad application. That feels really nice rather than just a card that its applications are so brilliant that you would always use it. If you compare it to something like First Aid Level 3, you've got the XP expenditure for first aid level 3 and first aid level 3 heals a damage and a horror together but that actually means that then you want to get the most out of it so you want to take damage and horror and one of the ways that soothing melody turns that on its head is it can heal two damage or two horror or any combination so it's got such uh built-in flexibility there i just
1: think yeah, yeah it's really cool yeah really cool yeah 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 yeah
0: any guardian cards you want to note before we move on
1: i don't think so I did. there was a, a- Broad theme across the Guardian cards of firearms, right? We saw mm, some yeah. impressive guns. We saw a couple of firearm upgrades.
0: Yeah. Warning shot, telescopic sight. And we saw the grenades, which really feel like kind of firearm booster.
1: Right? Yeah. I think Ace of Swords is pretty good in tarot. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the, I think the Guardian, the Seeker, and the Mystic tarot are the ones I like the most. Hmm. I also do like Steadfast quite a lot.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, Steadfast is up there with Take the Initiative as a really nice, ideally triple icon card. Yeah. If you were using Take the Initiative for those willpower treacheries, Steadfast can take its place or you can use it then later for combat as
1: well. I think Seeker have done really well this cycle. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. Yellow cards are good. I don't think there's really any bum notes. Can you think of any of that in this? Maybe the Scroll of Secrets? Yeah. But I think maybe the Scroll of everything else is, is decent.
0: Yes. Or has a home that we can see it fitting into. So, like, the Esoteric Atlas and Knowledge is Power are both really good daisy cards. Yes. And I would probably hesitate running them elsewhere. Maybe running Knowledge is Power in Norman. But... Certainly not the Esoteric Atlas, because it's 1 XP and Norman can't take it. I'm learning how Norman works, finally. Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
1: it, it, actually, broadly, there's a lot of good Daisy cards in this cycle, which yes, appears to me, yeah, obviously, because I love Daisy. <laughs> yeah, as a Daisy player. I mean, curiosity is just Daisy all over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots of icons. I really liked the mini theme of cards, which trigger when you get the last clue of a location.
0: Mhm. So this is Connect the Dots?
1: Yeah. Uh, crack, folding camera. crack the case. It is slightly annoying that they all have subtly different triggering conditions. Mm. Which I think it would have been nice if they were all balanced to have the same condition. But the camera especially, I think, is a really, really nice card. I think it's getting those two stat boosts on one card. There's, a, there's quite a few investigators who like that. Um, mm. just feels really nice to get those those all together in one place but it's that it's not just free <laughs> you've got to be finding the clues which you know as a seeker you try to be doing anyway
0: mm. yeah yeah I so I, I love that in solo it powers up really quickly you can power it up in a turn more or less up to the intellect boost I've been playing it in Ash Campete it's really nice uh, I've also played it in Marie yeah I think it's a really nice Marie fit as well it boosts her two prime stats just It feels like a fun card to run.
1: Yeah. and <laughs> There's sometimes a moment, though, when you go into a scenario and you realise it works in a different way to what you expected, and you're like, oh, no, what mm. am I going to take pictures of?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, those three are lovely. I can't help but feel
0: like Crack the Case was designed in a post-taboo world as well. Mm-hmm. It's such a great economy card. Yeah. I mean, I could be completely wrong, but it feels like it's a response to Milan dropping in power. Yeah. Maybe it isn't.
1: Yeah, it, potentially, yeah. Um had someone, when we were playing through Circle and Done, someone got two of them off on a four shroud location mm-hmm. when they found that last yeah. clue. And it's just like, yes, eight, eight resources for no actions. I'll take that. <laughs>
0: And if you're playing Joe as well and you're playing Working a Hunch for Free off your hunch deck, yeah. you can start doing some really cheeky things where you working a hunch for free at a six shroud location and then crack the case. So no actions, you've just gained a clue and six resources. Yeah. So yep. <laughs> ludicrous. Ludicrous. Yeah. But to do that you need to have crack the case in hand and be ready, and that's where our new seeker ally deserves oh, a, yeah, bit of a Mr.
1: Rook. I like him a lot. I think he's he's really cool. It's nice to totally, see... Totally agree. See a, it, it's maybe a bit of a, a push to be getting in allies which don't give a stat boost. A lot of people like to use the ally slot for a stat boost. But we've talked in the past mm-hmm. how the tarot slot kind of balances that out. Mm-hmm. So you could take death in Seeker to get your intellect boost. Yep. And then,
0: and then you've got free up the slot for something like Mr.
1: Rook. Yeah. People... I th- the
0: feeling I got, broadly speaking, from the internet was that people weren't sure about Mr. Rook when he was announced, and the response I've seen after that is that people really like Mr. Rook. Yes. I think being able to toggle how many you search is really nice, depending on you know how, how desperate you are, how many cards there are left in your deck, how many weaknesses you've seen, and I think the idea of seeing a weakness on demand, so you essentially draw two cards from your search, I, I mean... I'm going to pat myself on the back here. I said that I felt like that was a really powerful ability and it seems like people have been echoing that. I don't know if anyone heard me saying it, but to go, great, I have no cards in hand, I'm going to go fetch my amnesia now. Or to say, I'm broke, I'm going to fetch my paranoia right now. To be able to determine when that happens. is Even to say, we've just had a really easy Mythos phase, I'm going to tap and draw over Zealous now because we can handle whatever we see.
1: I was using him in Norman, and he's just got that added utility in Norman where if you've got a card on the top you don't want to play, you, yeah, you shake up the top. You shake up the top, so you get a card from your deck, and then you get a fresh card on the top that you might be able to play. Yeah,
0: that's great. Yeah, it's really, it, really, nice. really cool.
1: He's so good, in
0: fact, that I was running Rook and No Sten Unturned in a deck, and that was a mistake. I should have just dropped the No Stone Unturned because I never... I could see more cards with Rook for only one more cost, but but I got to do it three times, so no stone unturned. I could only really use to help other people find cards, and that was all right, but yeah, got rid of it quickly. Yeah, Seekers did well. Yes. <laughs> what a surprise, yeah. Next up is Rogues. Yes. And I think Rogues, even more than Seekers, had quite a tight offering of cards Yeah, where... They were really focused around pretty much one theme, and there's a couple of cards that weren't, but the theme being
1: resources. Yes.
0: And making the most of resources. So we had
1: investments, we had Henry Wan, we had Another Day, Another Dollar, we had Well Connected, we had Money Talks. Cunning. Yep.
0: And then feeding off that, we had the favours. Yes. Allowing you to use those resources directly to influence the game decoy intel report small favor we also had swift reflexes so you can use those resources for actions and we had (laughs) you owe me one for i suppose using those resources to manipulate the game in ways it shouldn't be manipulated but i haven't played you owe me one yet because i mainly play solo so i can't i can't really talk about it but if ever there's a card that's going to just wreak havoc on the game that's surely it
1: I liked the favor cards quite a lot. Mm-hmm. I especially liked Intel Report. Uh, I think we did go into some depth on this on our Visions of Future Past, where we talked mm. about small favor.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But just to recap, I think it's great. I like Intel Report a lot. <laughs> I think the the ability to find a clue at a at a at a connecting location or even two connecting locations is a mm. lot better than you think it's going to be.
0: Yeah. You could, there's so many times when you feel you shouldn't leave a location, but you know you need to move on or whatever it is, and you wish you could get the clue, or you stay for a turn longer than you really should have done. You outstay your welcome. An intel report just adds so much flexibility around that not being a problem. Yeah. I mean,
1: if you think of it in terms of pure action economy, um if you're getting a clue from a lo- from two locations away, and you need to be where you are, that's move, move, investigate, move, move. Yeah. And that's all done for four resources. And you can even get two clues if you pay six. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I think the other way you can think about it is if you were a streetwise rogue player, where you were paying two for plus three on your intellect to investigate, which was fairly common. Yeah. You can now pay two and just get the clue and avoid the test.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And obviously you spend a card, but... yeah. And, and the other thing is it doesn't fall into the trap that uh, Seeking Answers did. Because that, that's got a similar effect on it already, but it, has, it only has that niche use. The favor mm. card keeps the flexibility that you can just yep. use it as a pseudo-working-a-hunch or, or scene-of-the-crime type card, an auto-clue. Yep. Uh, but you know, on those occasions where you do need to pick up a clue from a two connecting locations away, it's still got that ability on it. It's a really yep. smart little card, actually.
0: It is, yeah. yeah. And uh, funny as well, you mentioned Henry 1 as a resource card. Whereas people weren't sure about Mr. Rook and he's proved good, I think people weren't sure about Henry Wan and I've not seen anyone singing his praises, unfortunately. And I hadn't even really thought of him in terms of being a resource card, but he is, right? He's a a card draw and resource card of a type. Maybe you run him and immediately upgrade into all in, or immediately upgrade into double double, or anything that makes your resource cards better. I don't know. Yeah. That's my Henry One thoughts.
1: Okay, well, should we move on to the Mystics? Just before we do,
0: we saw two permanents in Rogue Oh, uh, we and did, Seeker. yes,
1: that's right. We saw
0: Studious for Seeker. You start the game with one extra card in your opening hand. And another day, another dollar, you start with two additional resources. Both three XP, both permanent. Neither of them unique, so you can start with nine resources or seven cards. What did you make of them?
1: They're both very good. I must admit, I haven't played or seen anyone play uh, Another Day, Another Dollar yet. My gut feeling mm-hmm. is it that that's good.
0: I'm playing a Skids solo campaign, yeah. and my first 6 XP was two Another Days, Another Dollars.
1: It's good. Yeah, I bet it is, yeah, it's cause, because Studious is incredibly good. I think it could have been limit one a deck, or, or exceptional even. It's still, it's still not bad. Mm. Um, and it's come in the like, cycle with tarot cards, which like kind of spooks me a bit. <laughs> it's such a good effect, especially in combination with tarot. When you see someone, you can see most of your deck in you know in your opening hand if you do a hard mulligan.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because it's a shame that it's limited to seeker. I see why it is. They are obviously the card draw faction, but in a cycle where everyone has a reason to mulligan hard to hit their taros. Yeah. It's it's a bit of a shame that it does feel a little bit like tarot tech, and it's limited to, to one vaccine. Yeah,
1: But, I mean, it, it's just very, very good. Yeah, it's mm. very good. <laughs> <laughs> well, follow-up I mean, up question. We, uh, too, too good? Potentially, yeah. It'd be, it'd be good to get Matt's point of view on this. I had a conversation with, when we did Labyrinths, uh, one of the other folks was uh, testing a post-taboo Rex. To see how how okay. he did. Um, so he had a, a fairly typical Rex build, but obviously following the taboo rules. And he'd taken two studious, One or two studious, I can't remember. And I said to him, because we had a conversation, didn't we, a, a week or two ago about whether cards like studious, especially, f- don't feel as valuable in standalone.
0: Mm, yeah. You're paying 3xB for a, a one-off thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It feels better if you're paying three XP for a card in every future game, rather than just in the next game, in in a single game even. Um, and I said to him, well, what, "What do you think about that? Do you think it's worth less in in a standalone?" And he said, "Yes, but it's still outrageously good." <laughs> so even though it's worth less, I took two without really thinking twice.
0: Wow, well, that's that's a, in a way it's anecdotal, obviously, but in a way those that kind of anecdote is a. Good way of taking the temperature on a particular card. Yeah. Where if a certain player is willing to invest six XP for a one-off, it's normally a sign.
1: Yeah, I mean, you gotta wait for the dust to settle on these things, really. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll, you know, we can check in and see how things are going. See how things are developing. I'm sure Matt is doing the same thing, keeping an eye on the kind of cards that are being talked about and um, how mm, how yeah. ubiquitous they are.
0: Yeah, I bet he is. And and I think the other thing is we've got to get our own experience of playing them you know i've played two campaigns now with studious Nor i had seekers at the end of campaigns that i added studious to and i thought it was great really good really strong and now i'd really like to start a campaign as a seeker and see if i can avoid not if i can avoid but see how strong the pull is to spend my first xp on it because that's normally an indicator to me that something's got really powerful you know that the higher education is the Classic example of this: If you felt you had to spend your first three XP because it makes your entire deck better on higher education, then there's that fear of it crowding out other cards. And I don't know if I've got there yet with Studious, but yeah, I need to I need to play more with it. Okay, that's those. I suppose. Do you, do you do you think there should have been equivalents of Studious and another day, another do- dollar for every faction? Is this another example of an idea that wasn't fleshed but out?
1: Potentially, yeah, and it could be that those are coming soon they've been designed then they're just waiting for the right opportunity. Mm. I'll note that seekers not only get studious but they also get a cult lexicon in the next pack.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's weird cuz part of me likes the symmetry of if there's a new idea every faction getting it and part of me actually really likes the factions being different. So even though I love the idea of bonded spreading across all the factions i kind of didn't mind that it only landed on a couple of factions to start with and yeah similarly like it's it's nice to say for the rogues to get another day another dollar and it not to be a discussion of well how does this compare to the other three xp permanents to just be like this is nice for rogues they need resources let's give it to them and It's like having children. You don't have to share everything with your children. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't have to be even among all your children. I get that, but there is... Obviously, I don't have children, so (laughs) you can see. There is
1: something to be said for, like, you open the first pack and you see the permanent, the the rogue permanent, and you say, ah, well, this is what rogues get. I wonder what my faction gets (laughs) later in the cycle. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, stick to the plan is the other really good example. Yes. Where other factions haven't got anything like stick to the plan. And that was, was that Forgotten Age? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it must have been Forgotten Age. God, if it was Carcosa, that would be very scary.
1: Okay, well, well, should we move on and look at Mystic?
0: Yeah, let's let's move on. on
1: So so the other night, Frank, you sent me a list of all of the cards from this cycle on Arkham DB. Mm -hmm. And I don't know whether it's just the way it's formatted, but it looks to me like Mystic's got a lot of cards and then an upgrade for that card this cycle.
0: Yeah, yeah, they very much did. So yeah. we
1: get six Sense, upgrade a six cents, wither, upgrade a wither, deny existence, upgrade a deny existence. Enchanted Blade which is a multi class card, granted, but then upgraded enchanted blade as well. And yeah. scroll of secrets, actually.
0: Yeah. And the the base level of that. And then when you throw in the tarot, a couple of level zero cards, including their version of cunning able body, which is Prophesy, yeah. and say an ally, that's that's your lot done there. Which is yeah. Kind of crazy. I suppose one theme here is is the theme that we always get for Mystics, which is more cool spells. Yes. And I think Deny Existence is a stellar card and the level five version just icing on the cake. Yeah. And I think Sixth Sense is the most exciting Mystic spell probably since Rite of Seeking in Dunwich. Well, yeah,
1: yeah. I think we've talked about this. I think your pair of spells, which work really well, are Sixth Sense and Shriveling. Mm. I've used wither and not, not. It's not really clicked with me. Right of seeking is good, but it it works in a weird way. It doesn't mm. work in the way that most people like to investigate, which is you investigate throughout the game. You find two clues at a time, and you've only got three shots at it. And you risk yep. ending your turn every time you do it. Yeah. Six sense, on the other hand, has no charges, even though you only find a clue at a time. But then that's kind of fine, you know. Uh, damage acceleration is much more important than clue acceleration in a in a kind of hybrid card, in a hybrid mm. faction, rather.
0: Yeah, and I also then sent to you my weird thought about Eldritch Inspiration, which is that Eldritch Inspiration for level 4 six cents and level 4 weather sort of is behaving like a vicious blow and a deduction with the added bonus that you don't have to commit it until you see the, the symbol. yeah. yeah. And then you get to double up. So you've got this card in hand that could be a Vicious Blow or a Deduction, depending on what you draw. But with the drawback that you need to draw one of the special tokens. So just when you're desperate for that two damage or, you know, one damage and a health reduction with with wither level four, you then don't see the symbols you need. So you sort of have to play into the bag delving style to make it. Yeah.
1: And, and, you know, as I said in the last uh, episode we did, I I was playing Matteo and managed to use Aldrich's Inspiration. In fact, later on in the game, played Hypnotic Gaze and drew a skull. So mm-hmm. it would have been lovely to have had a second Eldritch Inspiration at that point.
0: Yeah, yeah. Eldritch Inspiration is such uh it really fits into that slot as a support card and really requires the rest of your deck to be leaning into a certain style of play, I think. Mm-hmm. And I actually like that. You know, we couldn't really have predicted that back when we we got to announce Eldritch Inspiration. We said we'd like to see more cards with effects that trigger positively that we'd want to repeat. And I think we've seen, you know, we've seen a couple, Six Sense and Wither, which is pretty good. Um, I want to just highlight another spell that we got that I think has gone a little bit under the radar, which is Banish. It's two cost, one XP. We got it in the first pack of Circle Undone, in the secret name. Yeah, And it's... Uh, a blinding light style effect you can evade. It has to be a non-elite enemy, and you get to use your willpower. Uh, and if you succeed, you evade them. But if you pull one of the special symbols, you get to stop them readying. Oh, and you get to move them to any location in play. Sorry, that's the important thing. That that doesn't require a special symbol. On a big map, you can manipulate where your enemies are. And boot them off to the far side of the map and it's really nice, it's really good we've been using it, I, again, it's obviously scenario specific, but in Guardians of the Abyss, you've got large maps and Banish is really useful for breaking up the herds of Abyssal Revenants and things from the sarcophagus that are chasing you
1: have you played it? No. Banish? No, yeah. and you know what, thinking about it maybe I should have put it in that Matteo deck it's it's very much the to to Blinding Light what uh, Wither is to Shriveling, isn't it?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I, I think you're right I think that ability to if you evade an enemy they're still at your location and they're ready next to at the end of that turn so you're dealing with it again mm. straight after if you've got a clump of enemies which is often when, to, when you want to evade mm. yeah. a single evade doesn't only gives you an extra turn to deal with what you've got and if you've got a huge yeah. big fat enemy that's landed on you another relatively chunky enemy um, can you need to be evading every turn while you deal with the first enemy.
0: Mm-hmm. And particularly if that evade is at the cost of a card and two resources and an XP, it feels then it feels not very good value. But where Banish adds to that is that that evasion, even if you're only moving them one location away, they then ready their next turn and you've still essentially bought yourself a turn. Yeah, and potentially they're not even a hunter, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they're not a hunter, it's even yeah. better. We've used this before on hunters, even if you don't pick the special symbol, if you're sending them far enough away, that's great. If you get the special symbol, they're, say, three locations away, you have your turn, they don't ready, they only ready at the end of the next turn, they've then got uh, the following turns, at so turn three they get to hunt once, turn four they get to hunt once, you've bought yourself four turns worth, which is, at that point, you may as well have killed the hunter. Yeah. You know, normally, you're not going to be in the same place four turns later. Yeah, I felt like mystics, a little bit like rogues, there was quite a tight core to what they were doing here, you know, as a new set of spells. And I, I'm pleased with the fact that Matt's created spells that aren't just worse versions of Shriveling and Right of
1: Seeking. They're at least
0: different. You know, I, I suppose Wither is below the curve, but six Sense is maybe above. That would be my tentative Yeah, suggestion. maybe,
1: yeah. And I think it's also nice, someone coming to the game fresh with this cycle, now has mm. two uh, two Mystic spells to replace the basic actions uh, with mm. some amount of action compression built in.
0: Yeah, and if I saw someone at event playing them, I don't think my reaction would be, well, why are you playing these <laughs> yeah. spells? I think I'd probably be like, okay, they're probably doing
1: something interesting here. Should we move on to Survivor?
0: Yeah, let's. What do you think of the Survivor cards? My Survivor standout card came in the Deluxe and is track shoes?
1: Yes, that's a good card.
0: It touches on what you mentioned about using the ally slot for a stat boost, and this is an essentially slotless card. Yeah. I mean, it's footwear, but that's not a slot that gives you a, a stat boost and gives you an extra ability for zero XP and three cost. And I just think that's cranky. it's very good. You know, obviously Rita likes yeah. it, but there are other survivor investigators with high agility, you know, Silas and Wendy, and giving them extra mobility is fantastic. So yeah, I, I think it's a really strong card.
1: I, I can't disagree with anything you said. It's 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 really nice, really, really good. The, the card everyone's going to be talking about is Drawing Thin in this cycle, mm-hmm. which is, it's a lovely theme, but I think most people would agree it's maybe on the wrong side of too powerful.
0: Mm, mm. I mean, and you said most people are going to be talking about. I think most people are have been talking, talking about, about it for it. some time. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed already a certain element of um, almost jadedness creeping into some of the discussions I've seen, where it's it, the, the arguments have already been rehearsed and people already feel like it's too far above the curve. It reminds me of the way people talk about Rex, where the discussion gets shut down with someone saying, "Well, just don't play Rex." Yes, and it's like, oh, okay, people. People have drawn thin on this argument and they don't want to talk about it anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, it'd be something I'd like to talk to Matt about if we, if we, you know, if we get a chance to chat to him. Yeah, yeah. Just understand where his at, his head's at with it.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd share one experience, which is that I ran this recently in an Ashcan deck and I would say solo the opportunities to use drawing thin, to abuse it rather than just use it. Are far fewer than in multiplayer. In our four player group, we've got a Rita player. She can find an action every turn to get two resources or draw a card, or a skill test that's not an action, like the Track Shoes thing. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much any downside that might be towards failing a test can be mitigated by the rest of the team or by the rest of her actions. Whereas when you're solo, sometimes you're just, you, you, you know, you need to get a clue, you need to move on, you need to do one other thing. And you simply can't afford to make that investigation too harder. Or, I, I it, it's a, it reminded me of playing Delve Too Deep Index, where solo sometimes it's just a card that I really can't afford to throw. Yeah. Because things are so tight. I think it's one of the challenges of solo.
1: Maybe then the the limitation on the card is something like other, cards can't be committed, or, or you can only use the ability if there's not another investigator at your location. Because oh, okay. that, that keeps it quite thematic. And potentially, I don't know, maybe that helps.
0: And, of course, it's not limit one per deck or one Test. per yeah, investigator. Yeah. So, you know, then you also get the weird shenanigans of dropping two. I've seen conversation as well about the way it feeds into other failure tech as well. So if you have drawn Thin and you don't care about failing and you have Rabbit's Foot and Take Heart, you can gain four resources and three cards. No. Four resources and. Yeah, four resources and three cards, or four cards and two resources, with Drawing Thin, Rabbit's Foot, and Take card. you know, for no actions potentially if that's in the Mythos phase. So, whatever the effect of failure is, probably getting that many cards and resources is going to be all right. There'll be some edge cases like where you're going to be adding Doom or things like that, but broadly speaking, that's an amazing payoff for failing a test. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you said we weren't going to get too much into it. And I yeah, I know. i know, exactly getting
1: quite into it. Sorry about that. There might be some squeaks on the, my recording there because um, heard, yeah, yeah. Henrik has, yeah. has woken up. He's fallen back asleep now, I think. <laughs> the, the card, the, the survivor card I really liked was Trial by Fire. Mm. I think that's a really fun card. I used it to great effect in Preston where it fits really well. Mm, but yeah. I think it might work equally well in, say, Calvin.
0: Mm, yeah, it just yeah. feels
1: like a, it's a really fun card I like the art and it's you know it's like you put on your put on your big boy pants <laughs> time to get things done yeah. <laughs> my, my stat is five
0: yeah yeah power turn here we come yeah and I think at three cost that's normally the sign of you're hoping for the card to have a decent impact as an event compare it to say Storm of Spirits or a backstab like These, a three cost event is going to change things up, you hope. Uh, So this, yeah, fits nicely with that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: I like it. I like it. It's a cool card. The the other thing I'll note, which is a little bit of a sort of meta thing, is that because of the multi-class cards, the way that we got our level zero and higher XP cards over the course of the cycle was pretty skewed because the first pack, secret name, we got five multi-class cards rather than getting a slew of level zero cards, and I wonder if that's why we ended up say with bonded and other level zero cards in the last pack and you know trial by fire it's a level zero card it's a really powerful one it would work really well with Preston. We only got it in, in the clutches of chaos it's you know it's I'm not complaining it's saying it's interesting the pattern of how these cards came out, and it means that it's only really now that we can start to experiment with some of the later cards,
1: yeah, yeah. I don't have much to add. <laughs> yeah. Should we briefly look at neutral then, or have you got any other survivor thoughts?
0: Survivor thoughts, n- no. I th- I feel like I th- there's some good good other ev- events in there, but nothing I want to really highlight. Like, Act of Desperation I've played with. Bait and Switch has been good. I've seen people talking about Guiding Spirit and Meat Cleaver a lot. I think they're both cards I want to try yeah, out Yeah, me more.
1: too, actually. I think they're both really good. I, I think Guiding Spirit's got a lot of potential. Yeah. Neutrals. Oh, there's only two, right? Well what have we got?
0: There's the Council's Coffer. Oh yes, of course I'd forgot well. about
1: that. I have not I had a chance to play with that.
0: Neither have I. I need to take I need to go to an event, some
1: sort of event, and book yes. it. It feels so eventy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a it's a weird one. It feels like it, it's a it's a story asset.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you really want to see it right at the start of the scenario as well. Imagine spending 4 XP on this and taking it to an event and it being the bottom
1: card in your deck.
0: You just think, that was good. 4 XP for a while. If
1: you played this on your first turn and everyone fires it, it's it's a skill test 5, so can you pass that on the first turn?
0: Yeah, exactly. So you're playing it and then your next two actions are taking the test 5 and you're probably committing... If not one card, then maybe a couple of cards. And then you're hoping everyone else can pass a test five.
1: Maybe someone like Min takes this card, just sits in the corner and does all the locks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Or maybe you really tech
0: hard into a kind of multiple action Wendy
1: with... Will to
0: survive, so you don't have to take the tests, but you're still then boosted. It's you've built your whole deck around cracking the coffer, but all of the things that the coffer's going to get you, you've had to have found already to be able to open yeah. the box.
1: It's it's a and paradox. It, it, it's one per campaign as well. So
0: yeah, yeah. That's why I feel like it needs to be in, in a standalone yeah. because yeah.
1: Oh well. Okay. Right. Well, apart from that, we've got Ace of Rods and Anna Caslow. We've already yeah. We've talked yeah. about Anna Caslow already. Ace of Rods. Yeah. Famously, you're a big fan of.
0: Yeah, that's all that needs <laughs> to be said. <sale>, <laughs> I was going to say there was only one other neutral Anna Caslow it's, yeah. it's
1: maybe got the biggest delta between being good when you don't have to pay for it and being terrible when you do. <laughs> of all yeah. of the, the tarot cards.
0: Did you say t- terrible when you
1: it's have It's lovely pay for it? Is that the you adjective don't have use? to pay for it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow, I've won you over, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's also campaign-specific to a certain extent. Yes. There's a Union and Disillusion moment when it's very good, for instance. Yeah, but there we really don't is. know that when you <laughs> take it. In
1: fact, like all three Union and Disillusion, it's, it's good. But um, if you save mm-hmm. it up, then you're rewarded appropriately. Yeah. I had it in my deck because it was given to me by the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I played with it. And it, it's exactly as I said. I... Loved having it and getting it into play for free, which happened a couple of times. And I never played it otherwise.
0: And you were Preston. You were the best place, bar none, investigated to play it. And you didn't play yeah. it when you, when you didn't get it for free.
1: Maybe I, what does maybe that say I did about it once. It? Just to annoy you. Just <laughs> sat there playing it. So, well, this is going to wind Frank up when I tell him. <laughs> I've played it once. I've played it once.
0: When I had the resources and it wasn't the beginning of the game.
1: I have. And I've played, you know... It just compares really unfavorably anyway. well to lots of other cards which give you extra actions. Like Police Badge.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Police Badge for one XP more gives you a, a static boost rather than the plus two when you ditch it. And two more actions yeah. when you ditch it.
1: Well, who knows? But I don't want to wail on it. You know, it's, I think it's... If, if, if we've got an investigator who takes more tarot anyway... It might it might fit in that mm-hmm. deck, you know. If if you Caslow it up out of nowhere, yes, it's, it's a good target for her. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you're doing anything with replaying Tarot and replaying Anna using Chance Encounter to keep fetching it, that's not too bad. I mean, once you trigger it, it's removed from the game. But you can at least see both get those bonuses from it. Maybe, yeah. You know, you know what's going to happen. I'm going to end up a project of trying to make it good, <laughs> and it'll just be the most frustrating thing ever.
1: Well, we tried that with some other cars, didn't we? We we, we had a we tried to make Verme's Mysteries work, mm. and we struggled yes. at the moment to make that car particularly effective, or to find the bits that really unlock it.
0: Yes, yeah. Even to find the home for it, you know, we said, "Oh, it's a tome," so Daisy, and then. As you start looking at how it fits in, it's it's quite hard yeah. to see it yeah. fit.
1: I think maybe we'd it'd be a fun one to do some kind of deck building challenge around. Maybe come back to, for, yeah, yeah, for for us Maybe yeah. we'll come back to it in a cycle or so when yeah. there's been some more cards and everyone's forgotten about it.
0: Yes, yeah, and it would be nice to revisit other cycles. Like, you know, we mentioned before the idea of doing deck building with only say one or two cycles worth yeah. of cards. It'd be lovely to revisit. And see how does how does the this cycle stand up with, say, Carcosa as a pair? What do you get out of that? What do you use? Yeah. Great. Well, are there any cards that were absolute standouts for you that you think we should have waxed more lyrically about? Let us know. We're on all the usual places, drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com, Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, designed by humans. Peter, how can people get in touch with
1: you? I am United Everywhere. That's U-N-I-T-L-E-D. I'm on uh, Twitter and Reddit and Discord, so say hello. How about you, Frank?
0: Yeah, I'm on Twitter too. I'm fbeph underscore BEE, and I'm around the places Zui Glass or Zozo. Thanks very much Thank for listening.
1: There was in this singular caravan a little boy with no father or mother, but only a tiny black kitten to cherish. The plague had not been kind to him, yet had left this small furry thing to mitigate his sorrow. And when one is very young, one can find great relief in the lively antics of a black kitten. So the boy whom the dark people called Andy Parsons smiled more often than he wept, as he sat playing with his graceful kitten on the steps of an oddly painted wagon.
0: Beautiful. Douglas Flewelling, associating what he was reading with what he had heard of Dunwich and its brooding presences, and of Wilbur Whately and his dim, hideous aura that stretched from a dubious birth to a cloud of probable matricide, felt a wave of fright as tangible as a draft of the tomb's cold clamminess. Alliteration for the win. <laughs>